0: First reading, Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The word of the Lord. Second reading, Romans 8. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, than heirs, heirs of God and joint-heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of the Lord.
1: The Holy Gospel today comes from the book of Saint John, the third chapter, the first 17 verses. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jewish people. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, The gospel of the lord thanks be to god God. you may be seated my dearest siblings grace and peace to you from god in whom we live and move and have our being amen um do we have any dave matthews band fans in here one two three three four okay that's what i expected actually it's a little more than i expected (laughs) <laughs> um, anyone who's gotten to know me on a personal level will eventually hear that I'm a big Dave Matthews Band fan. And the reason I share that today is that the Dave Matthews Band is this band that you kind of hear about and, and you almost feel like you're not supposed to like them, right? When you hear about the Dave Matthews Band, there's just something about it that's just like, I don't know if it's the trendiness or what, or maybe it's it's how... I think I figured it out. It's how big and out there fans are of the Dave Matthews Band that you almost kind of look at it and you're like, I don't, I don't trust that, you know? Kind of like U2, any U2 fans? I can't stand, I can't stand U2. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, And so growing up through high school and college, like the Dave Matthews Band was this band that that I would hear about and I would just think like, no, I I want no part of that. I I don't like the Dave Matthews Band. But some of my closest friends were big, big fans of the music. So much so that one time early on in college, uh, they decided to go to Las Vegas because he was playing or the band was playing at the MGM. And I decided to just tag along. And while they were at the concert, I was going to go to the casinos and play and have fun and just meet up with them afterwards. And the moment came for uh, the, the, the concert to start. And as I'm about to depart away from them, they said, no, we, we just can't let you do this. You have to come and watch the show with us. And I said, I can't. I don't even have a ticket. He said, no, we'll go find a scalper. We'll get some nosebleed tickets. We'll all join you. Uh, just come with us. And, and reluctantly, I said, fine, I'll do it so we easily we found a scalper we got a a nosebleed ticket and and all of us went and I tell you folks i was transported during this concert i transcended into another realm it was one of those moments that i talk about constantly when i try to talk about heaven where where time just stood still for like four hours I was not aware of the future, I was not aware of the past, I was completely enmeshed in this present experience hearing this band live for the first time. And it was then that I realized that the Dave Matthews Band in the studio and the Dave Matthews Band on the radio is not the Dave Matthews Band. You can only experience the Dave Matthews Band by going and seeing them live. They were meant for concerts. They weren't meant for albums or recordings. They were entirely meant to be experienced. And when you talk to any Dave Matthews band fan, they will tell you the same thing. You have to go and experience it. And if you talk to anyone who does not like the Dave Matthews band, you just simply ask them, have you ever seen them live? And 100% of the time they will say no, because you just have to experience it. Now, the reason I bring all of this up is because when I look back in my life, this is the biggest example I can think of with God or the Trinity. Today is Holy Trinity Sunday, this thing that we are always trying to to understand, but we can't fully do it. And that's because the Trinity, because God must be experienced. Experienced. You cannot just simply understand God or rationalize God or the Trinity, the Spirit, the Son. You must experience this mystery in order to understand it. Yet, Holy Trinity Sunday, throughout time we have constantly treated the Trinity as though it's this this primary way of rationalizing God, of, of understanding God. Yet the Trinity is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. That word does not exist in Holy Scripture. The theology of the Holy Trinity was developed centuries. After Jesus departed the earth, and this was after Constantine had taken over, after Rome had made Christianity the state religion, the Holy Trinity became this way for the church as this new, very powerful entity to sum up all that God was, to rationalize God, to to categorize God, to quantify God, to take God and put God in three neat little boxes— and the church realized in its power that, that if it can box God in, if it could quantify God, categorize God, rationalize God, then, then the church could control God. And by controlling God, this served two functions that we see throughout history. One, it helped people, especially those in power, escape any sense of guilt or shame or responsibility to do the things that Jesus calls his church to do. And the other was that it allowed the church to use this rationalization, this this boxing in of God as a weapon to beat others over the head with, to try and use it as a source of power. But then something else happens throughout history as well. People on the margins, refused to let God be boxed in, refused to accept this quantified, categorized version of God. People throughout history and their writings have have survived through time. They were willing to experience God, experience the divine in whatever form the divine would present itself. And they talked about these experiences. And, And if you read them, it's not that they were trying to create a new theology or dogma or doctrine. It was all about their experience with this divine, this experience that led them into a deeper love of themselves, experiencing God's deeper love for them, and experiencing that love by sharing it with other people. And as we look at them throughout history, we see that the church tended to castigate these people, push them on the margins because they could not be controlled, because they were talking about elements of God that existed outside of these boxes that the church had created. And for such a long time, that's what the Trinity was, this boxed up version of God. And so as we come to Holy Trinity once again, we need to encounter this mystery This experience outside of those neat little boxes. We need to go and and look at the words and the messages that have been passed down to us from mystics, from poets, from humanists, transcendentalists, from the black church and liberation movements, from prophets of different faiths and prophets of no faiths. And then here's the big one. We experience this wonderful, wonderful mystery of the Trinity When we can pull ourselves away for a moment from just looking at Jesus' death on the cross and Jesus' resurrection from the grave and envelop ourselves in the words of Jesus in his ministry, from the actions of Jesus in his ministry, from all of the way that Jesus refused to be boxed in by his religious establishment and just go out there and love people and care for people, but especially those who were oppressed and marginalized and pushed out. When we look at these words of all of these people who refused to let God be boxed in, we realize that the divine was never meant to simply be understood, to be quantified, categorized, or boxed in, but rather that the divine was always meant to be experienced, always meant to be encountered, moved with, danced with, shared with, loved with. I'll admit there was a time in my life where I thought the Trinity was pointless. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I'd say probably at the beginning of my time here as your pastor, we would get to Holy Trinity Sunday every year and I'd think I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to preach on it, celebrate it, think about God in this way. And it took for me reading some of our modern uh, mystics, people like Richard Rohr and Cynthia Bourgeau, that I realized what I rejected was not the Trinity, but I was rejecting this boxing in of God that the Trinity was used to do. And I realized that at the heart of the Trinity, when I, when I heard these messages from these mystics, when I followed their guidance, and, and instead of trying to understand God or box God in, just go out there and experience God's love in whatever way it it presented itself, I realized that at the heart of the Trinity, the reason we should continue celebrating the Trinity and talking about the Trinity is because at the heart of the Trinity is relationship. I mean, to put this in simple terms, before God ever even creates the universe, before God does anything, God exists as spirit, as Jesus. That's what Scripture tells us, that God was present As relationship. Scholar Martin Buber likes to say that in the beginning was relation. Because before God did anything, God existed simply as relationship. So Trinity is more about God simply as three persons, one in three. Father, Son, Spirit, Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer. The Trinity is more about God's presence in all of life, God's presence as relationship. It is about seeing God's presence in all of the creation of the cosmos, not just our little blue pale dot here, but through all of the vast expanses of the universe from stars being born and collapsing, from nebulas spreading their massive art across our night sky. The Trinity is about God's presence in all of the ministries of love and justice that take place in this world. It's about the Spirit's presence in all of created life around us, from the most massive redwoods to the tiniest of particles and atoms. The Trinity is about God's presence in all of this stuff, not just simply existing by itself, but begging to be experienced by us, by God's image, walking this planet. And we will find that when we let go of trying to box God in with all of our dogma and doctrine and theology, when we finally let go of trying to box God in and just simply experience the divine, we can no longer hate humans because we know that God exists in all of humanity. We cannot build walls in fear because we realize that God exists on the other side of those walls. We cannot destroy creation because we realize that when we do, we are destroying God. And we cannot ignore the cries of the oppressed because we realize that we are shutting our ears to the cries of God. And again, this is all stuff that cannot simply be understood, cannot be intellectualized. It must be experienced by getting out there and looking at the night sky, by loving people who are different than us, by immersing ourselves in this beautiful created world and experiencing God in it, and by answering the cries of the oppressed and seeing the divine spark in each and every one of them. I'm not so sure that we need to celebrate Holy Trinity once a year. I don't think we need to do this Sunday, honestly, because I think it's kind of a slap in the face of this beautiful mystery. Because the Trinity should be present in every single Sunday we have. The Trinity, this mystery, the divine, should be present in every facet of our faith life. So my prayer for us today is that I hope that, that we can let go. That we can let go of trying to understand God, quantify God, categorize God, box God in. That we can let go of trying to believe the right thing and trying to be right with God. And instead, just experience the divine, just experience God's love around us because it's coming at us from every direction, begging to be experienced. And I pray that we could do this in all of our relationships, in creation around us, and in the compassion we share to all in need. I pray that we can truly encounter the Holy Trinity. Amen.